Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Well, hello and welcome. This is Sandy Weiner, and I am the Chief Love Officer at LastFirstDate.com. I am the dating and love coach for women over 40 who want to attract and sustain a lasting, loving, healthy relationship. I'm also a communications expert, and I am so excited to introduce our guest today. We'll be speaking in a few minutes to author Gerald Rogers about the marriage lessons he learned from his divorce. It's so important to learn from your past experiences, and as a dating coach, I love helping people recognize the mistakes that they're making so that they do better next time. And it's very hard to see yourself when you're in the moment. It's it's often other people who have to point things out. So I think it's great that Gerald learned these lessons and was able to talk about them. And in fact, he wrote an article um, onto his Facebook page that became that went viral. And uh, he then wrote a book and is now helping people with marriages and, and um, stay married and not get divorced. So what I focus on is helping you to get to that long-term relationship that you've always yearned for. And um, there are so many common mistakes, and I'm not going to get into all of them right now, but I think one of the biggest ones is that women often date in a way that repels men, and they don't even realize it. So, for instance, Maybe you are being really competitive on a date, and maybe you're talking about being crazy busy in your life, and men don't think you have time for them. Um, Maybe you're bringing your work self to a date, and you're not bringing that polarity, that womanly feminism, femininity, not feminism, but femininity that a man is yearning for, because he doesn't want his clone, and neither do you, even though people often think they do. Anyway, that's these are some of the mistakes that people make in dating. And I have created a free guide that includes the top three mistakes that midlife daters make and how you can turn them around so you can find lasting love. It's my free gift to you. And if you'd like a copy, all you have to do is go to lastfirstdate.com and sign up on my homepage because I want you to go on your last first date. Today's show is sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. You can listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you like. You'll get a free book when you sign up for your 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash lastfirstdate. That's audibletrial.com forward slash lastfirstdate. And now I'm going to introduce my guest. His name is Gerald Rogers, and he's a best-selling author, a transformational leader, a speaker, and a coach. Gerald is internationally known for his virtual sensation that has touched millions of people worldwide, and it's called The Marriage Advice I Wish I Would Have Had, and he has live live big breakthrough seminars, too. Um, Gerald's passion for love, life, and helping others has led him to be featured on the Today Show, NBC, ABC, Huffington Post, and hundreds of radio shows and blog posts all across the world. He was recently recognized and featured by Pope Francis in an article entitled, A Man Gives You 20 Tips to Not Get a Divorce. 
very valuable information shared by the Pope. Welcome to the show, Gerald. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Sandy, and I'm really, really grateful that we get to spend this time together having like a really important conversation that I hope will inspire and empower those that are listening. I do, too. Well, thank you for joining us. And um, so let's talk about why should somebody take advice from you? Um, you're a divorced guy, and you're giving people marriage advice. What makes <laughs> you a person to listen to? That's one of my favorite questions, just because as um, it was the day after my divorce that I that I sat down, and I was like, okay, what did I learn from this process of, of divorce? And... Um, and divorce was the most painful thing I've ever been through in my life. But through that process, it really put me in this, into this question of what is it that makes successful relationships work? And I began studying book after book and talking to people that had the type of marriage that I want. And I did so much deep introspection to realize, you know, all of the things that I had not been aware of that created the blocks and, you know, friction and dysfunctions in my marriage. And so when I the divorce was finalized, and I sat down and I said, what did I learn from this? I just took some time and wrote out these 20 principles, and I shared them the next day, thinking maybe they might help one or two other people, but to my surprise, like you said, that the post just went viral and ended up being shared with tens of millions of people worldwide, and I had all of these people coming to me, you know, for relationship advice. I'm like, why would you want advice from me? I just got divorced. Um, but but on the other hand, I realized that I learned so much from my journey, and the pain that I went through helped me see some things that I know can help others, and who would I be to not share that? Like, if I knew that I had a cure that could help someone have a relationship or heal a broken relationship, heal a marriage, whatever that is, and help them create what they want, like, I would be so selfish to not share that gift that I've learned. And so I don't share it as though I'm some guru or some marriage and family, you know, PhD expert. I'm just a normal guy, but I've figured some things out, and hopefully those things will serve and empower those that are listening. Well, I love that. And I think that what a lot of people don't realize is that you don't have to have everything figured out to be able to teach. And I I think that people look at therapists, for example, and if their lives are not perfect in their eyes, say they also have a divorce or they have dysfunctional relationships with their children and people say well how can i accept advice from that person well you could you could give lots of great advice because you're learning you don't always have to be living that life yet and um yeah, i think and, it's important go ahead yeah and i was i was i was going to say oftentimes you know it's our mess that becomes our message you know it's the trials oh, yeah. that we go through and and, you know, the the ways that we stumble and fall, and w- as we pick ourselves up, it's just like, oh, my gosh, I learned so much in that journey. And, and for me, like, it's interesting to look back, and I'm sure that there's many people that are listening that have been through divorce, too, that can relate to this. But I look back at divorce, and I'm like, that was one of the greatest catalysts for my growth in my life. I learned more by going through that divorce than I've learned through any other experience. And, and of course, I feel inspired to help other people so they don't have to go through the same. Yeah, and I, I totally agree about making your mess your message. And as I was going through some of the trials in my life, I always turned it around and taught what I learned. Um, I had a We had a son who 
had a genetic disease and passed away when he was five. And my the first thing I did was to go back to the hospital about a month later and teach them, the nurses, the doctors, the social workers, how to be better with parents of a dying child. And a lot of people said to me, how could you do that so soon? And I was like, well, that's empowering to me, to know that I can make a difference through the pain that I've experienced. Um, that feels like at least there's something positive happening from a hard, a hard experience. Yeah, so And I, I feel like that's how we find meaning in our life is in turning the negative into a positive. And when we learn, and this is fundamental for, for people that have, have, are looking to create new and healthier relationships in the future, being able to be introspective and say, okay, well, what did I learn from that experience? What would I do different? What advice would I give to myself? When you can do that, then all of a sudden it empowers you in your dating moving forward. And, like, I look at my life right now and the relationships I've been able to create, I'm like, I'm so grateful I discovered these principles. I'm so grateful. And, and, and part of me is like, why... Why didn't I know these things before? Why didn't anyone teach me these things when I mm-hmm. when I was first getting married? Like it would have changed everything. But at least I'm grateful that I know them now, so that I can you know empower others to to see the same. But I mean, relationships are funny. Like we're all in relationships. It's one of the central areas for our happiness in our life. But there's so little training on how to do that. I mean, you don't go to a high school class that says how to have a thriving, healthy, intimate relationship with your spouse, right? Like you don't you don't have these classes to help prepare you for having meaningful communication, for having deep and fulfilling intimacy, for having the ability to um, work through issues and deal with money. Like all the things that you need in order to have a happy, successful relationship, you're not taught in school and we're thrown into these relationships and no wonder why so many of them don't work. Very true. And actually, one of the things, my daughter, who got married pretty young, um, that his parents and and my ex-husband and I both agreed, all agreed, to not let them get married until they had gone through some training, um, some marriage workshop training. And I took a look at the at the materials that they had taken away with them, and it was so fantastic. And I said, boy, do I, what I love for every couple to go through this, to learn how to communicate better, to learn how to set a budget, to learn how to respect and cherish each other. Um, So speaking of all that, you know, and I do think it would be great for us to get this into the school systems, and um, I'm working on right now putting together a workshop for younger women, because I deal mostly with people after they've had pain, um, and, you know, working with women in their 20s and, and you know, 20s and 30s before they get into these marriages and are clueless about how to make it work or even how to find the right partner Um, because sometimes we just choose the wrong partner because we don't really know better. So when you know better, you do better. So if you could share maybe two or three of the top principles um, that you learned, that would be a great way to then jump off to go deeper into some of them. Yeah, so I think that, you know, when I look back, the most valuable things that I wish I would have understood and really grasped, um, number one is the role of masculinity and femininity in relationships. Um, I feel like for the most part in my relationship as well as most relationships I see, I I feel like there's, there's 
challenge that people experience within relationships where they're losing the spark of intimacy and, and attraction. And there's all of these dynamics where the man feels emasculated and the woman is uninspired by her man because he's not stepping up and she becomes the dominant one in the relationship. Like this is a very common pattern in in this journey. And so, I mean, this could be a whole conversation just talking about how to create like healthy functioning masculine and feminine dynamics in a relationship. But I think for me personally, what I discovered was the importance of learning how to more fully embrace my masculine and to create that healthy dynamic in a relationship so that my woman can feel safe. She can feel like she can trust me. So, so she can feel um, like she can surrender because there's so much masculine strength behind me. Um, but it's it's hard it's hard for women, especially in today's culture, to be able to because this is this is my own personal belief. But I, I feel like the feminist movement destroyed femininity because it taught women that the way that they create value, the way that they are okay in the world, is by being like a man. In my personal perspective, power comes for the woman in learning how to truly embrace her feminine, and especially within a relationship. For her to know how to allow herself to trust and, and surrender and and um, and support the man in being that hero, and then for the man to be really conscious in his ability to honor and respect and value the woman. So I, I think that's a, that's a big dynamic that I, I feel like is really important for couples to explore and how they can keep those healthy health healthy dynamics within a relationship and. Along I, with that. I just yeah I wonder could I just say something because yeah, I'm absolutely. so glad you said this <laughs> I I have been saying this for years and and a lot of feminists freak out when they hear this but what they don't realize is we're not trying to strip away any power it's I said this at the beginning of of the radio show and I say it all the time that women bring masculine energy to dating they come as their competitive work self and they forget about the the feminine beauty that they have. It's not to say that they should take away their strengths and their feistiness. In fact, men are often attracted to strong women. But I have seen this in this dynamic of women becoming more more uh, masculine. They, they take over in the relationship. They don't allow a man to step up and take charge. I actually have an article posting this Thursday about a woman leaning back, leaning back and letting a man step forward. Stop planning every date. Stop letting a, you know, let a man step up. You have to allow and create that space. And in my dating experience myself, I have found that men surrender to me too often, and I I hate it. I I get so turned off by men who, who put me on a pedestal, who defer to me about everything, and they're not making decisions. They're not taking charge of their lives and I can't yeah. be with a man like that. Yeah, so it's just such an important point. I'm so glad you said it. And you were about to say something else. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and obviously there's a whole dialogue about how to create that and, and how to inspire that from each of your partners. And really when it comes down to it, like a lot of women are like, okay, how can I get my man to be more of a man, right? How can I get him to step up to be my hero? Because ultimately... The deepest core needs, and this is the other thing I was going to lead into, is like really understanding the core needs of the man and the woman in the relationship. So 
the core need for the man is to feel respected, to feel like the hero, right? Like that's what drives a man to be a man. And when he feels that way, he feels on top of the world. He feels unstoppable. He feels focused on his purpose. He's confident. He's dynamic. Like he's, he's, he's certain about the world he lives in. And, and he wants to be the hero for his lady. He wants to take care of her. He wants to make her feel loved and cherished and adored. Like that's the way that he feels like he wins. Um, for the woman, she wants to feel cherished and adored and um, validated. She really wants to feel like the queen. Um, and and in that, it's so interesting how it's hard for us when we're married and in unconscious patterns to really recognize what are the specific needs of our spouse? What makes them feel loved? What makes them feel cherished? What makes them feel safe? What makes them feel excited? Like when we can really understand that, then we can actually have a blueprint to win in the relationship because most people are so unconscious. And, and so the way that it often shows up is, you know, the the woman will show up and, and she'll, you know, be frustrated because her man's not doing what she wants him to do and the feminine energy is so motivated by growth and expansion and change. And the masculine, you know, they're they're they tend to be more driven by security and, and structure and, and you know, it's a very much more of a mental energy. And so they they like to stay the same. And the woman sometimes is frustrated because they see all of these flaws in their man and, and so she, in her beautiful feminine energy, wants to change the man. She wants to she sets up as John Gray would say, the Home Improvement Committee and finds all the ways that her man can be a better person, right? And so, unfortunately, in an unconscious relationship, often that shows up from the, from the woman where she, she ends up nagging or complaining or criticizing or she feels like her man is just another kid that she has to take care of. And so she becomes very demanding in that relationship. Right? And, and here, mm-hmm. the core need for a man is to feel like the hero. And the moment you treat him like a kid, the moment you criticize him, the moment you complain, the moment you, you know, demand of him, like all of these things, it emasculates him. Like it cuts off his balls and makes him feel like he's not a man. And how could he show up for the woman? And so the man's pattern in this situation, like quite often if he's in a relationship where he's in a conversation and he feels like he's being criticized or complained against. Like the man's unconscious pattern typically, and you can tell me if you've experienced this or not, but his, he's got one of two things. Either he could lash back out and, and like defend himself or he, what happens more often than not, he withdraws emotionally and, and puts up this wall and retreats into his little man cave and does his little passive aggressive behavior of like, fine, well, fuck this. Like I'm not, I'm not going to engage in this conversation anymore. Like he shuts himself down and then, you know, creates a distance in the relationship. Why? Because he's just a wounded little boy that wants to be a hero. And if he feels like he can't win in the relationship, then it's likely that he's either going to show up as a pleaser or show up like tiptoeing on eggshells, afraid to upset the woman, or he's going to look outside of the relationship for validation, whether, you know, through sexual or through, you know, emotional affairs, right? So mm-hmm. when when the core needs aren't being met within the relationship, it's easy for them to look outside the relationship. Same thing, the same thing with a woman, right? If a woman doesn't feel like her man is being present for him, 
like really, really, I mean, present for her. If the man can't be present, the man can't validate her. If the man can't make her feel cherished and validated and appreciated, then she has this growing swell of frustration and disconnect. And and if she feels like her, her man is just wanting to get sex from her or whatever, like it, it really creates this violation in the relationship where her needs aren't being met. She doesn't feel emotionally intimate with him. So, like, why would she want to be physically intimate? Because her needs aren't being met. And so there's all these unconscious patterns that come from simply not understanding what the core needs are of our spouse. And then that leads into intimacy and that leads into communication. That leads into, you know, our values around taking care of our kids and how we spend our time. Like that is kind of the root to all of these other issues that are happening. And it begins with really, really trying to understand, okay, well, what are the core needs of the man? What are the core needs of the woman? Um, and how do we meet those in a healthy way within a relationship? Yeah, <laughs> you, you are saying so much that I'm sure so many people can resonate with because these are the patterns that happen. And I remember the minute I, the moment that I realized that I had been emasculating men because um, it was a pattern that I was familiar with. I had grown up with emasculation. Um, patterned for me and not not named it until I was post-divorce. And um, and I, I had no idea that this is the way that I expressed my displeasure, my, my, um, my pain. And so it was a real consciousness shift that I, I did, and now I can teach that to other women who are dating. Um, and so what are some of the steps that people can take to understand the core needs? I mean, not everybody functions in the same way, and you really have to get to know the person you're with. So what would you suggest as as a way to start yeah. that process? Yeah, exactly. So so there's a lot of generalities we use when we talk about when, men and we talk about women, right? And sometimes those generalizations are valuable, and sometimes in certain relationships they're not. And then there's also very specific personal preferences that are important. Um, just for the sake of this conversation, we're going to go into, I'll, I'll, like we've talked a little bit about some of the core needs of the man and the woman, but let's just go into the specific needs of what makes us feel loved and how do we actually get those needs met within a relationship. Um, and through my book, The Marriage Advice I Wish I Would Have Had, What Divorce Taught Me About Love and Life, which if anyone's interested in getting the book, they can go to themarriageadvicebook.com. Um, but in that book, one of the exercises I take people through is, is this process of being able to communicate what our needs are clearly to our spouse that gives us them, them an opportunity to win. The challenge is most relationships, we end up playing this guessing game. We try to be a psychic, and we try to, we try to understand what the other person is, is saying without actually having a conversation about it. And mm-hmm. that gets us into a lot of troubles because especially when communicating love, oftentimes we're trying to communicate love from our love language versus theirs. And, you know, probably most mm-hmm. people in the call are familiar with Gary Chapman and his work with the five love languages. But once again, what he describes in that book is our love languages are, number one, physical touch. Well, I mean, it, it's one of these five, physical touch, which is, you know, caressing, uh, hugs, kisses, you know, sex, anything that involves physical touch. Two, words of affirmation, being able to really express validation, thanks, saying I love you, 
words of, you know, compliments. All of these things are important for people that are ex- experience love through validation. And then there's gifts, right? The surprise gifts, the meaningful gifts, really thoughtful gifts are important for some people. Um, quality time, being able to sit down, connect, go for long walks, just spend some time together and just doing things, just being together. Um, and then the final is acts of service, like those doing things, going get the extra mile to support someone. So there's, we all have a combination, but we all have a dominant and secondary way that we experience love. Oftentimes, if someone's primary love language is, is um, physical touch and words of affirmation, they're married to someone whose primary love language is quality time and act of service, they're, they're going to be going up and they're going to give them, give them a hug and kissing them and saying, oh my gosh, I love you, you're so beautiful, you're so great. And the woman whose physical, whose primary love languages are acts of service and quality time, she's not going to feel loved at all, right? She's going to feel like, what's he trying to get from me? And she's just not going to feel connection because he's simply not speaking her language. And likewise, if, if she's doing things, she's taking care of the house, she's, you know, doing these things, uh, you know, as a way to express love through acts of service and she wants to always hang out together and spend time, like that's her way of trying to express love. But he's not experiencing it because she's not wanting to have sex or she's not wanting to, you know, hold hands or kiss him or, you know, or tell him how great he is. So um, so in that space, it's um, it's really easy for couples to feel a lack of love where they're just not filling each other's buckets. And so part of this process is being really clear and expressing to yourself, okay, here's how you can win. Right, and and this is a very simple process, but very valuable for for couples in any relationship. Is just to take some time and write out, okay, here's ten specific things that make me feel loved, right? And have each spouse do that, where you write out those things and you you express it. Well, what makes me feel loved is when I really love when I when I see you and you run and you jump into my arms and you give me a great big tight hug, or you. It really makes me feel loved when you leave a, a surprise note or when you text me in the middle of the day for no reason. It really makes me feel loved when you, right, and just, like, list out those things, the very specific things that make it so that you you feel connected in that relationship. And when you do that, then all of a sudden you're setting the relationship up for success and you're not trying to guess and play this mind reader game of, you know, well, is this going to make him feel loved or not? And so that's that's one tip I'd give is just simply communicate and, and become aware of it yourself. Like what will, what are your needs in the relationship and make sure that you're communicating them effectively versus expecting the other person to just know. Because I, I see uh-huh. this happen all the time where I even notice in my relationship after being married 15, 16 years, like I don't know, like I'm trying to make her feel loved and I don't know what to do. Like, And realizing that I simply didn't understand what was her recipe that I was trying to to fill. Yeah, and it's so important not to be mind readers in relationships. I, I'm i about to teach a course in how to talk so men will listen and listen so men will talk. And it's it's really about understanding each other and knowing yourself, too. And you have to start with yourself. So a lot of people don't even know what they want. I mean, so, you know, when you would ask people, I'm sure there are people who say, I don't even know what, what I need. Um, so what what happens when somebody says that? You know, this is an interesting conversation because I, I feel like, like 
primarily the biggest challenge that happens in relationships, the busy, biggest reason why there's unhappiness, unfulfillment, disconnection, isn't even because of the relationship. It's because people lose themselves within the relationship, and they're not happy themselves, and they're looking to the relationship as a way to make them happy. And the challenge is that if we're unhappy as a, in ourselves, there's nothing outside of us that can make us happy. So when I'm doing coaching, working with coach, with with individuals, either in relationships or healing after relationships, the work is really begins with nurturing that relationship within themselves, finding themselves, reclaiming themselves, giving themselves permission to nurture and take care of themselves. And so what I would recommend, just as I would recommend in the relationship, identify specific things that you can do to express love and build a relationship with your, your spouse, I would say create a list of things that you can do to build a relationship with you. I call it your self-nurturing or self-care list. Really invest that time to spend time with yourself and, you know, write out 10 things that make you feel nurtured and cared for and, and give yourself permission to do those. Maybe it's taking a hot bath. Maybe it's going shopping. Maybe it's spending some time in nature. Maybe it's reading a good book. Maybe it's um, going and getting a massage. Whatever it is, like dedicate some time to really explore that question for yourself and, and build your relationship with yourself. If you can't answer, well, what do I like? What do I want? It simply says that you're disconnected from yourself and that is the primary relationship in your life. <laughs> that relationship, if your relationship with yourself isn't working, how could you possibly have a healthy relationship with another person? So focus on that relationship and let yourself know that it's okay for me to give myself time. And women especially have a lot of hard time with this, right? They they feel guilty about taking time for themselves and nurturing themselves, and they feel like they have to give and give and give. But often they give to the point of depletion, where they have nothing left to give, and then they just become resentful um, because of it, and it ends up showing up in a lot of toxic patterns. But if they dedicate and take time to fill up themselves up with love, then they discover that they have so much more energy and love to give to those around them, their kids, their coworkers, their, their partner that they're in a relationship with. So fill yourself up first, and then, then you'll discover, you know, what you like and how someone else can support you in that relationship. So true. And this is such an important piece. And if people don't take away anything else from this conversation today, I think this is the key. It has to start with you. And the healthier you are, the better partner you are, the better parent you are, the better you are in everything in your life. And so you're not going to find completion outside over there. You're going to find it internally first. Um, So, this has been a fabulous, fabulous show. Gerald, I'm really grateful that you came on the show today. And um, tell our listeners how they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to be able to stay connected. And obviously, we just were able to, you know, hit the tip of the iceberg here in terms of the information that yeah. I, I'm passionate about empowering people with. And so there's two things. If, you, if you're interested in the book, The Married Advice, I wish I would have had. Even if you're not married, even if you're just dating, if you've never been married, if you're ever – if you're in a relationship with another human being, like it's going to be an incredibly valuable book. Uh, and you can mm-hmm. get that at themarriageadvicebook.com. And then if you're interested, every day on Facebook, I post inspirational messages on love and life. And you can go to geraldrogers.com to you know connect with me. There's a link where you can follow me on Facebook. 
And then, you know, I've got other programs to support people in, in really creating and living an inspired life. And so I really encourage you to reach out to me. Go to GeraldRogers.com um, and, you know, follow me on Facebook. And, and if there's other training and resources that I have available on that page, too, to support you in creating those relationships as well as the other thriving aspects in your life that you want. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again, Gerald, for this great conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. You too. Thank you all for listening in today, and I hope you all go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 